It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important stories. That seems to me like government is establishing a religion. The latest in politics and world affairs. If you give people rights, women's rights, gay rights, whatever, there can't be equal rights if there's special rights. Today's current opinions and ideas. Surveys show that that people still really prefer freedom versus force. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed. Let's have a conversation and welcome to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Thank you to each and every one of you for joining us. You're each treasured, valued. You have purpose. Today, strive for excellence. Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. You were made for this moment. Thank you to this team I get to work with. Producer Steve, Zach, Patty, Keith, Charlie, Jen, and all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. Little chilly out there, Producer Steve. Uh, yeah, he couldn't make it because of the cold. He called in. <laughs> Did he call in? Okay. Yes. <laughs> well, good. As long as that board's being taken care of, we're just fine. Uh, check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com as well. And thank you to each and every one of you who support us. We are an independent voice. We're searching for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you should not have to force people to do it. Uh, And, uh, boy, we're seeing a lot of force up there in Canada, but I continue on. Uh, Socialism is not about free stuff. That is just the carrot to get you to vote for it. And remember, my friends, it's never compassionate to take other people's rights, their property, their freedom, or their livelihood via force, whether with a weapon, policy, unpredictable and excessive taxation, fear, coercion, or the latest silent thief, which is government-induced inflation. I'm very excited to have in studio with me Darren Weekly. He is a candidate for sheriff in Douglas County. It's great to have you here. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. And we'll be uh, asking you some of the questions uh, that I'm sure you're getting out there on the campaign trail in segments, uh, the second segment. And then Dan Haley with the Colorado Oil and Gas Association will be joining us via phone on the third and fourth segment. But Darren Weekly, it is George Washington's birthday. It is. And uh, uh, I, you're probably not old enough, but... Steve is. I, I'm sure that. Did you just did you just mute my mic? I uh, were you saying something? <laughs> I was going to say I thought that you were in in school. Uh, no, George Washington was a year ahead of you, right? <laughs> Carry on. Okay, our quote for today is from George Washington. Today's his birthday. He was an American soldier, statesman, and founding father who served as the first president of the United States. He was the general of the Continental Army, and he was born on February 22, 1732, and he died in 1799. And he said this, and it's, it's so appropriate for today. He said, be Americans. Let there be no sectionalism, no north, south, east, or west. You are all dependent on one another and should be one in union. In one word, be a nation. Be Americans and be true to yourselves. Producer Steve, love that. You know, we don't, you know, you gave the, the date range of his life, and we don't know exactly when he uttered those words. But I'm thinking 60, 70 years later, you know, the Civil War hit us, and it's like, who was listening? Well, Abraham Lincoln was listening. That's true. He was listening. Of course, his birthday was February 12th. And you and I are both old enough to remember when you actually celebrated their birthdays on their birthday. 
Uh, Darren, uh, do you remember that or not? <laughs> I do. We used to get the day off of school. So, yeah, no, I, I do remember that. Okay. I remember that we would actually, at least I love doing this, I would, we with pencils, do their silhouettes, and then we'd have, mm-hmm. have those all over the classroom. I don't know that they're doing, they haven't probably been doing that in San Francisco, but maybe with the, the ouster of those three very radical board members, maybe they'll start to do that after after they went through and they they renamed uh, some of the schools that were named after Lincoln and Washington. And the people of San Francisco said, enough. Yeah, good. <laughs> good for them. <laughs> uh, Darren, we have been highlighting and lowlighting some of the bills of the day, some of the stuff that's happening down at the state legislature. And we're going to talk about yesterday's bill of the day some more. Before we do that, though, just a, a, a quick uh, comment. It looks like Putin has has uh, made a move, at least a, a, an initial move, on Ukraine. Um, I actually didn't think he was going to do that. I thought that there was going to be some kind of negotiation to try to make Biden look like he was a hero, but that is not the case, Producer Steve. Well, oh boy, that, that's, a, that's a trap. Mm-hmm. You're going to lead me into something, make me say something I don't want to say, but... <laughs> I'm still trying to assess what has actually happened so far, and it's it's not an all-out invasion. He's kind of like probing two different areas where the uh, separatists are, or there's another name given to this group, but I'm not really sure what he's up to at this point. Maybe he's just trying to see how the other side reacts. Yeah. I, I It's very interesting, but... I know how the stock market's reacting, and it's unnerving. Yeah. Um, I, I thought that would probably already be baked into the stock market, but I guess that's probably not the case. But let's move over to Colorado. And the first thing is the bill of the day. And it's unbelievable that we would even have to have a bill like this, uh, Darren Weekly. And that is uh, House Bill 221090. It does have bipartisan support. Representatives Kim Ransom, Republican, and Mary Young, Democrat. And Senators Janet Buckner, Democrat, and Jim Smallwood, Republican. It says, concerning allowing a child reasonable independence to engage in activities without finding that the child is abused or neglected. It says, under current law, a child is neglected or dependent if the child's environment is injurious to the child's health or welfare. The bill clarifies that a child is not neglected when allowed to participate in certain independent activities that a reasonable and prudent parent, guardian, or legal custodian would consider safe given the child's maturity, condition, and abilities. It seems to me, Producer Steve, that what this says is that you could send your kids down to the park to play on the playground equipment now uh, without being hauled into uh, as as a parent that's neglecting their children. You have a gift for sorting these things out. I look at this and I'm thinking, what is it really trying to say? So tell me. Maybe it's also that they could walk to school. Oh. Of course, I I look at what I used to put in my kids' lunches, and they'd probably haul me in for, you know, not healthy lunches these days. (laughs) Darren Weekly, isn't it amazing that we even have to have a law like this? It is. It it seems like we have to legislate common sense now. You and know, you can't do parents it. parents to be parents. Yeah. You, you can't do Raise it. Raise their own kids without the government and their intervention. Wouldn't that be a great idea? It would be. Parental rights, wouldn't that be a great idea? <laughs> okay, let's, let's move over to this other one that got my blood pressure going yesterday. And that is Senate Bill 22-138. It is uh, sponsors Senator Chris Hansen and Representative Alex Valdez. 
and uh, it's the bill summary. It says concerning measures to promote reductions in greenhouse gas emissions in Colorado. I would highly recommend that people go to the website and take a look at yesterday's show. We've got the podcast there, but we've also got the kind of the recap on it. And guess what? Representative Alex Valdez has founded a solar uh, solar company. Can you believe that, Steve? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, Zach, uh, Zach was able to uncover that. So anyway, we went through, there, I think there's 10 points on this. And uh, let's see, let's get to section six. It gives the Oil and Gas Conservation Commission authority over class six injection wells used for the sequestration of GHG, including through the issuance and enforcement of permits. Section seven requires the Commissioner of Agriculture, again, there's that word, require, where the commissioner's designee in consultation with the Colorado Energy Office and the Air Quality Con- Control Commission to conduct a study examining carbon reduction and sequestration opportunities in the agricultural sector in the state, including the potential development of certified carbon offset programs or credit instruments. On or before December 15, 2022, the Commissioner of Agriculture or the Commissioner's designee is required to submit a report summarizing the study, including any legislative recommendations to the General Assembly. I have one more paragraph here. Uh, Darren, can you believe this? Mm. You didn't know this was down there, huh? <laughs> uh, Patty had a really good point. Patty, our researcher. And we have seen Jared Polis try to move to the middle. And he's painting himself as a libertarian. If, in fact, he is a libertarian, uh, we would highly recommend that if this gets to his desk that he veto it. Let me continue on. In support of the use of agrivoltaics, I think, which is the co-location of solar energy generation facilities on a parcel of land with agricultural activities, Section 8 authorizes the Colorado Agriculture Value-Added Development Board to provide financing, including grants or loans, for agricultural research on the use of this agrivoltaics. And again, a point we want to make is that... uh, uh, Representative Alex Valdez, who is a sponsor of this, has a, a solar business. I think it's just kind wow. of curious. And uh, anyway, I probably won't continue on um, Section 10. I mean, it says Section 10 amends the statutory definition of solar energy facility used in determining the valuation of public utilities. This is, this is really, really bad, Darren. Sounds bad. It's very bad. So, Okay. Uh, we will stay tuned on that because, uh, and, and Darren, yesterday we talked about this. It basically says, uh, let's see, uh, let's see, Section 4 is basically going to be getting rid of your gas-powered um, lawnmower and your gas-powered tools. And think what that's, how that's going to hurt these little lawn, lawn uh, businesses. That's ridiculous. It is. It's ridiculous. Okay. Uh, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we are going to talk with Darren Weekly. He is a candidate for Douglas County Sheriff. Before we do that, though, Hooters Restaurants is one of my partners of both my shows, The Kid Munson Show and America's Veteran Stories. They have five locations. That's Lone Tree, Aurora, Westminster, Colorado Springs, and Loveland. And uh, they have great happy hour specials. And 
it is so nice after all this time where we were all kind of sequestered in our homes. It's great to get together with friends. They've been keeping the line on many of their specials, even though inflation is just out of control. So be sure and check out Hooters Restaurants. We'll be right back with Darren Weekly. Home ownership and private property rights help you build wealth for you and your family. REMAX Alliance award-winning realtor Karen Levine understands this. Supply is super tight right now. This is why you need a seasoned professional with excellent negotiating skills on your side of the table, whether buying or selling an existing home or buying a new build. As a member of the National Association of Realtors Board of Directors, Karen Levine volunteers hours of her time to help you build your American dream. Call her today at 303-877-7516. Again, that's 303-877-7516. You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, kimmunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. In studio with me is Darren Weekly. He is a candidate for Douglas County Sheriff. Uh, it's great to have you in studio. Uh, it's an honor to be here. Thank you. Uh, Several questions. First question that I hear a lot is, particularly with what we're seeing in government now, just kind of this overreach. And we saw so much with the the, um, COVID shutdowns and all that. Constitutional sheriff. That is something that seems to be very important to people. What? How would you address that, Darren? Well, I think uh, any sheriff, uh, regardless of party affiliation, any sheriff should should honor and respect the Constitution and follow the principles of the of the, of the Constitution. Um, I think um, we have all seen clear government overreach over the last two years. Whether you're talking mass mandates, shutting down churches, shutting down businesses, um, it's the exact opposite of what America is supposed to all be about. And um, you know, I will, if I'm elected sheriff, I will, I will protect people's rights. Um, we're, we're, the Douglas County Sheriff has never been one to uh, be out there enforcing, enforcing mask mandates. Uh, you would never see somebody from my office arresting, you know, a priest uh, for holding church uh, or something like that. It's, it's, I think that the entire country has seen that our, 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 our nation has gone in the wrong direction. Um, and regardless of party affiliation, people enjoy their freedom. Um, and, um, you know, as sheriff, I would protect those freedoms. Well, and I agree. Uh, it, it, I think one of the, the positive things about this whole COVID thing is the veil has come off on this government overreach. And when we're talking about bill of the day, I really wish people, we would elect people that would start to repeal things. We don't need another law. No, don't we don't. Let's talk about crime, because uh, Denver, or the metro area, well, I guess Colorado is number one in the, the country for car thefts. And boy, if you have your car stolen, it affects your life. And it's, it's kind of unbelievable to me that we are seeing this crime in, um, in here, here in Colorado, and it's starting to creep out into the, the suburbs as well. What, what would you do about crime? Uh, you know, you're 100% right, um, and crime is coming into Douglas County. When I started 28 years ago, it was a pretty uh, quiet county altogether. You know, we'd have an uh, occasional exciting call uh, now and then, but these deputies are call to call to call every day. Uh, we've got crime coming down south. Uh, we've got it coming uh, from uh, 
coming south from Colorado Springs. We have it, you know. Or north from Colorado nor- Springs. North from Colorado Springs, south from Denver. And, um, you know, the motor vehicle theft, you just touched on it. Uh, motor vehicle theft in Douglas County is up 11%. A lot of these crimes are related to drug use and drug abuse. And the thefts of the motor vehicles and other crimes like burglary and robbery, uh, they're all connected uh, to fuel or fund drug habits. What can we do about that, Darren? I want to put more cops on the street without raising the budget. Uh, The more people that I talk to, uh, the more uh, community uh, events that I have, people want to see that uniformed deputy in a marked car on their street. Um, And I think we need to work smarter, not harder. We do that through data analysis, crime analysis. Um, We do that through intel gathering. And we put those cops out there on the street to protect our citizens. Um, And there's a lot more that's involved with that than most people think. Um, But, again, it it is having that uniform presence out there. I think it's a deterrent. Uh, Criminals are going to know when they get into Douglas County. Uh, We are aggressive in our law enforcement. What I mean by that is we we try to be proactive, but it gets more and more difficult uh, if we don't have enough cops out there on the street. What about we're hearing all of these activist DAs that uh, are really being soft on crime? How 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 does that uh, being a sheriff? How you know what's your thoughts about that? We have to have a great relationship with our district attorney. Unfortunately, with John Kellner, we do have that, and prior to him, George Brockler. So. Um, you know, my current position is, is uh, I'm a captain over the investigations division. And we have uh, daily meetings with our, our prosecutors and to ensure that we have uh, solid cases moving forward to go to trial. Uh, that's paramount. You've got to have you've got to have a well-trained, um, you know, law enforcement force uh, to, you know, file these cases and ensure that we have convictions at trial or that that the cases are so solid that the person takes a plea deal. Uh, but uh, John Kellner does an outstanding job. His staff does an outstanding job. So we're very blessed in the 18th. And he is running for attorney general? He is. Okay. Okay. Um, the red flag law. I read the bill and I don't, I don't quite remember all the nuances of it, but tell you what, Darren, I looked at that and I, I thought this is terrible mm-hmm. because what I saw was no due process. I felt it was clearly unconstitutional. What's your thoughts? Uh, I agree. It's, it's very horribly written. I think most people would agree that extremely mentally ill individuals who intend to kill people um, should not have firearms. But this particular red flag law is not the answer. Uh, there's 19 states and then Washington, D.C. All, all, all have a form of some sort of a, a red flag or extreme risk protection order law on the books, you know, Florida included. Um, but the one in Colorado is so poorly written. It talks about preponderance of the evidence, which is an extremely low threshold. It talks about significant risk. Um, what is significant risk? That's very subjective. Um, so I understand it, and rightly so, people's concern over this red flag law. You know, I, I, I didn't support it uh, when it when it was written and came out. Um, but the fact of the matter is, it's it's been on the law uh, on the books for two years now, and um, it has not been overturned. So. Law enforcement is in a uh, difficult situation, and what does a law enforcement agency do if you have a case where you have information that somebody uh, is extremely mentally ill, that somebody wants to kill people, but they haven't taken that step to actually commit a crime yet, and what do you do with that? It's a difficult situation, and it's not one that's, that's easily handled. Um, just to explain a little bit more about the process. 
if law, information comes to law enforcement, such as a family member or a call for service, um, and there's overwhelming evidence to show and probable cause to believe the individual is extremely men- mentally ill and kill, uh, going to kill people, we can go to the county attorney's office. The county attorney's office reviews the case after all the information has been gathered from a detective. And we work, we'll work in conjunction with the county attorney's office to decide if we're going to move forward with an affidavit to a judge uh, that reviews these types of cases. I will tell you, in Douglas County, we've done uh, extreme risk protection orders on four individuals in the two years. Um, just to give, give you an example of one of these individuals, uh, the person uh, was firing off rounds in his house cause, because he believed people were coming after him. This very weekend in Highlands Ranch, we had a similar situation where uh, a, a man uh, believed that there people were coming to get him. He was out; they were outside of his apartment, and uh, he fired around in the direction of the voices he was hearing. Law enforcement is in a difficult situation. We we have sworn to uh, serve and protect the citizens. Um, I truly believe that. Uh, people expect law enforcement to intercede if they recognize that something bad is about to happen and people are about to die. You know, imagine if uh, it was your, your child, your grandchild, your husband, your wife, and they were killed in some sort of a mass shooting event or something like that. And you found out the Douglas County Sheriff's Office knew that that individual was going to kill people and did nothing about it. Now, I will always try to, um, I will always go to a criminal charge first, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. to, to, to remove weapons from a dangerous, dangerous individual. And it won't be the sheriff's office. It'll be the, the judge. Darren, as I think about this, though, it seems to me like instead of, of uh, taking the firearms, that you should extricate the person. And, and, um, and, and the, the reason I'm concerned about this is because of the Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. And what we've seen is, and I'm going to, this is big picture, but dictators... One of the first things that they do is they disarm the population. And the founders knew that. That's why we have the Second Amendment. And so what you're talking about on that, on that level, I understand what you're saying. However, I'm looking at it at this big, big movement out there. And the people that were behind getting the red flag law really passed are over in this this group that has consistently been trying to disarm the the American public. And then I'm thinking about it just as you were saying this, is they are the same group over here now that are advocating to be soft on crime. And so this law actually could be used in... um, I'm thinking like a, a, you know, somebody like, well, I'm not going to say any names. Um, but this law could be used then to disarm the public. And yet these are the same people that uh, have been empowering criminal behavior. It doesn't match up what you're saying the way it has worked. I get it. But I see the bigger picture on that. What, what's your thoughts? Uh, I'm coming at it. You know, my explanation is from a law enforcement point of view. Got it. Okay. And so um, – I want to just get one thing loud and clear. I am a staunch Second Amendment supporter. Um, I believe in open carry. I believe in concealed carry. I, I believe the more more good uh, law-abiding citizens with firearms, the better. Um, I promise that I will stand in the way of any type of frivolous um, attempt to take people's guns away. Um, I 
fully support the Second Amendment. Um, the issue is, is, is how do you balance the Second Amendment rights with individuals that are extremely uh, mentally ill? And I, I don't profess to have all the answers. Um, I don't. But I, I promise that um, I will stand in the way of any type of frivolous uh, claim. Um, you know, I have earned uh, the endorsement of Laura Carno of Faster Colorado. I believe our kids should be protected in schools with fac- faculty and staff uh, carrying firearms. Um, they're in that school. Um, even with STEM, where we had like a minute and a half uh, response time at STEM, it was still a minute and a half where bad things were happening things inside happen. that school, yeah. Yeah. where there could have been a staff member protecting our kids. So it's important for people to know that, you know, all, although, um, you know, I want to, to protect our citizens and I don't want to come across as some sort of a, a gun grabbing sheriff because I'm, nothing could be further from the truth. I'm all about saving lives, lives and protecting people. I believe firearms can can protect our kids. I believe people should have a right to carry firearms. And um, it's not it's some sort of a gun grab. Um, you know, I support the Second Amendment. Okay. Thank you for that clarification. And endorsements are, are they can, they're tricky things. They are. <laughs> and my understanding is, is that uh, current sheriff, Tony Spurlock, has endorsed you. And I know very, many people are very frustrated. I re- remember seeing a picture of him down at the state house with a number of uh, women around him that 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 really are are against the second amendment and he was was really supporting this red flag law and he's endorsed you explain uh, i've known tony for 28 years the entire time i've been at the sheriff's office um I decided to run for office on my own you know i've heard everything from oh you're you're tony's handpicked guy to you know all kinds of different things. Um, I'm running for sheriff because I believe in my heart I'm the best person for the job. Uh, I've worked my way up over the last 28 years in almost every commission position and every division within that organization. Nobody knows that organization better than I do. But in terms of of me running, uh, Tony endorsing me, I'm my own man. I make my own decisions. I'm I'm a lifelong Republican. I have served in the Douglas County Republican Party for almost 20 years. I've been an assistant captain, a district captain, House District 44 vice chair. I'm a loyal conservative. And I will um, represent the conservative principles and values in the office of sheriff. And those who try to paint all of us with one big brush, whether it be, you know, me, um, you know, or or another candidate um, that used to work for the sheriff's office, they're trying to paint us all with one big brush. And, and it's it's not quite frankly, it's it's not accurate. Um, it's not fair. Um, you know, I'm running on my own uh, values. And, um, you know, I I. I'm a diehard Republican. Okay. I always have been. I'm not a rhino. Okay. Uh, and with that, I like Republicans that think that the individual should be big and the government should be small. But yet, safety, safe communities is super important. You can't go after your, you can't pursue your happiness if you're not living in a safe community. That's correct. I 100% agree with you. Okay. Darren, how can people get more information about you? Uh, they can go to my website, uh, weeklyforsheriff.com, W-E-E-K-L-Y-F-O-R, sheriff.com, or they can go for, uh, to Facebook for uh, Darren Weekly for Sheriff. Okay. And that's uh, weeklyforsheriff.com. Correct. Okay. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll be talking about, uh, well, this is our Health and Hydrocarbon Shores show as well, and thank you to uh, Laramie Energy and Curious Oil and Gas for their sponsorship of the show. But... 
Darren, reliable, efficient, affordable, and abundant energy is another thing that has really empowered us to be able to go after our hopes and dreams. And there's been an assault on that, too. There has. So we're going to be talking about that. But the show comes to you because I have so many great partners. And on the line with me is Danielle Green with Kirsch Insurance Group. They are specialists in the Medicare arena, and they work with a lot of different companies, so they can really help you uh, save money uh, potentially on Medicare. Danielle Green, welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you, Kim. Thank you for having me. A lot of people are getting a surprise with their Medicare premiums right now. They've gone up significantly, and you can very possibly help them with that. Correct, Danielle? That is correct. Last year, their Part B base premium was one forty eight fifty. This year, we saw that go up to one seventy ten. It's one of the biggest oh increases they've taken in fourteen years. Um, there are plans out there um, that people can utilize um, that can help lower that cost. Um, it's called a Part B give back. Um, so, if people are interested, that is something we can absolutely help them navigate through. Well, does it cost anything for the people to give you a call and check this out? Nope. All of our services are 100% free, um, and we are always happy to help and truly just give people the knowledge. Danielle, you and I both agree knowledge is power, and this is such a, a huge increase that uh, I know that a lot of people on fixed incomes, this is a big surprise, and so I really recommend that they reach out to you. What's the best way to reach out to you, uh, uh, Danielle? Absolutely. So there's a few ways to reach out to us. Um, you can go online and you can find us at iKirsch.com or you can call us here directly at the office. Um, our best contact number is, I know, on your webpage. It is also 303-397-7830. Um, and we're happy to give people guidance, like I said, and the knowledge and how do we navigate that price increase? Well, I think that's very important, and it's important. Knowledge is power, and it sets you up for success, and Kirsch Insurance Group can certainly help with that. Again, that website is iKirsch, that's I-K-I-R-S-C-H.com, iKirsch.com. Danielle, thanks so much. We'll talk to you next week. Hey, thank you. Talk to you soon. And we'll be right back. Three Points Financial is a fiduciary financial planning company focused on helping individuals and families. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz at Three Points Financial specialize in investment strategies, tax planning and preparation, and retirement planning with no product sales or commissions. Tax laws have changed and will continue to change. Inflation is real. Three Points Financial helps you maneuver through these changes to achieve your financial success. For clarity and a solid, relevant financial and investment plan, while working with a company that puts your interests at the forefront, schedule a no-obligation initial consultation at threepointsfinancial.com. That's threepointsfinancial.com. Would you have ever dreamed that freedom of speech, freedom of thought, freedom of assembly, and freedom of religion would be under assault and attack in America? Unbelievably, it is happening right before our eyes. That is why it is important to keep free-thinking, independent voices on the airwaves, the Internet, and social media. Kim Munson is one of those important voices. Help her keep independence alive. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute, to join Kim in the battle of ideas raging in America today. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me 
at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. And in studio with me is Darren Weekly. He is a candidate for Douglas County Sheriff, and it's great to have you here. Thank you. Honored to be here. And we'll be talking with Dan Haley. He's on the line. Uh, this is our Health and Hydrocarbon Show. And I love, particularly on a morning like this, reliable, efficient, abundant, and affordable energy. Dan Haley, uh, when I drove to the station, it was negative two, and I sure like my warm car, my warm house. Thank you. Absolutely. It is a great morning to turn on the uh, natural gas fireplace and settle in if you can avoid going out in the elements. uh, (laughs) Many of us will be out there, and uh, it's, it's good to have an abundant amount of energy. Certainly. Well, and you are the CEO and president of the Colorado Oil and Gas Association. And, Dan, it has been unbelievable to me the assault on this energy source that is reliable, efficient, affordable, and abundant. And it's almost like death by a thousand cuts. Uh, we have been talking yesterday and today about the Senate Bill 22138, which has uh, many different points in it. But one of them is, is I think it's by uh, one, I, which year it is, but soon that uh, we will not be able to have, we will not be able to buy gas-powered lawnmowers or lawn tools. Uh, it's beyond belief to me, Dan. Yeah, well, what's really frustrating, when you look at the grand scheme of things, what we're trying to do as a, as a country, anybody who's telling you the truth will, will tell you that we need oil and gas for the long foreseeable future. There is no end date of when, you, when we're going to stop needing these products. So if we know we need them, where do we want to develop them? Do we want to get them here in Colorado under the strictest environmental regulations in the world, or do we want to import them from places like Saudi Arabia or Russia, which is uh, in, involved, in, uh, you know, invading Ukraine as we speak? Is, is that where is that who we want to rely on for our natural gas supplies? Or even, frankly, do you want to rely on another state for your your energy supplies? If you can produce it here locally with local workers under strict standards using high end technology. In, in produce it here and keep prices low, make sure that we have an abundant supply that's good for consumers. It's good to be able to have, you know, to power your economy and to keep those prices low and do it here locally. So it's really frustrating when you see people who um, are enacting policies that uh, curtail that or make it impossible for local production to happen, knowing only that we're going to rely on foreign sources for our oil. And, you, you know, I'm in my early 50s, and so I remember what it was like in the 1970s to be sitting in a gas line. And to forget that is to, you know, repeat <laughs> repeat those problems again. I just That's not a step we want to take as a country. Well, Dan, as these energy prices go up, and uh, I, your electric bill, our electric bills going to the pump, this this hurts people that are trying to move up the economic ladder the most. And as I was driving in today, I was driving along uh, alongside uh, RTD train. It was three, tra- uh, three cars, not a person on it. And I'm thinking, what kind of a footprint is that to be sending around the metro area empty RTD uh, cars on a morning where it's negative two? People don't want to be out on a, a, a tr- um, 
platform waiting yeah. for a train. Uh, and and you think about that mom that is trying to that single mom that's trying to get to work. If she only can ride the train instead of having her own personal vehicle, it limits her opportunities. Dan. Absolutely. A lot of these things are about freedom, the freedom to be able to get into your car, drive to work. If you're a single mom, you need to pick up your kids after school from daycare. You want to get them to soccer or or dance, wherever they're going. You can't do all of that on a a train or a bus. I'm not opposed to trains or buses either. Uh, A lot of people, that's their mode of transportation. And so you need to find ways to make that efficient and affordable. and they're talking now about using money from the federal government to buy a bunch of electric buses. Great. Who's going to ride the buses? <laughs> they're making it very difficult to drive downtown. They're taking away lanes and, uh, and making them dedicated bus lanes because they want to get people out of their cars and onto buses or transit or walking. Again, this is this kind of social engineering that doesn't make a lot of sense. They proposed something last year uh, called the Employee Trip Reduction Program, which I'm sure you talked about on your program. Mm-hmm designed to get people out of cars, not mm-hmm. thinking about the most vulnerable mm-hmm. among us, right? Uh, the, the, the single mom who has to get her kids to, to school. This is the same comes in line with heating costs, right? Who suffers when, when those heating costs go up? It's the person who's making a decision about whether or not they're going to buy food, prescriptions, or energy. We don't have to have these conversations in this country. We have the energy we need. We just need the political will to develop it. There's a a woman who runs a program called Energy Outreach Colorado that helps people pay their energy bills. And she has a phrase called heat or eat, which is where many of her clients face that every month, heat or eat. That shouldn't be a phrase in Colorado in 2022. This is a a society that should be able to uh, take care of its own and to, um, to, again, produce those resources that we all need in ways that are efficient and affordable and allow people to be able to afford to heat their homes or apartments. Dan Haley, um, CEO of the Colorado Oil and Gas Association. You're right. We should not in America have to be making these decisions between heat and eat. But the reason that we have people that are in that situation is because of bad public policy. And uh, here in Colorado, we have seen an assault by radical activist uh, Democrat policies that have been going after our oil and gas industry. Again, the, this uh, Senate Bill 22138 uh, saying that you can't have a gas-powered lawnmower. Really? But the thing that's so dishonest about all this is that we don't have a total honest conversation about quote-unquote renewables. I actually had been uh, invited, to, uh, went up into northern Colorado out onto a, a piece of land that there had been a number of wind turbines that uh, they decided they were going to destroy them. And so went out. I've got pictures of the whole thing. There's nothing recyclable about that. The, um, yeah. the, the damage that uh, really can be done to the environment with wind turbines and solar to, to, um, to build it, to keep them clean, and then to get to uh, – there's no recycling of, of getting rid of them. There's not an honest conversation about this, Dan. It's You're absolutely right. And that's what we need as a country is to have that honest conversation. And I'm not opposed to renewables either. I, I'm in favor of energy. This is what causes our society to thrive. The ability to 
I'm I'm up this morning talking to you on a phone that is fully charged with my computer on, ready to go. This is how our society moves and grows. We need energy. So I'm not opposed to any of these things, but let's have a conversation about what's rational. Let's talk about the trade-offs. There are trade-offs to anything that we do, and nobody ever wants to talk about the trade-offs that come with renewables. As you mentioned, those wind turbines have a life cycle, and when they're done, there's nothing to do with those giant blades. So they bury those blades in the ground. There's a big graveyard of wind turbine blades up in Casper, Wyoming. That can't be terribly good for the environment. What's, how are we creating solar panels? Where do those minerals come from? Many of them come from China. In August, the Biden administration stopped a shipment of solar panels because they believed they were made with slave labor. So this is what we're talking about. We want to rely on slave labor to produce our energy rather than allowing Colorado workers to go into the fields and produce oil and gas. So again, there are trade-offs to all these things that we do. Electric cars. The average battery in an electric car weighs 1,000 pounds. To create a 1,000-pound battery, you need to mine 500,000 pounds of rare earth minerals from somewhere on the planet. There is an environmental footprint, there's an environmental impact when you're mining 500,000 pounds of rare earth minerals. Let's have that conversation. But instead, people are fed a bill of goods. They are told that we need to go to this renewable future tomorrow, and if we don't, within 18 months or two years or three years, whatever politically expedient date they want to put on it, we're going to have this environmental crisis. And so again, we're telling people things to scare them into policies that are not good for our state or our country. Well, and ultimately, uh, what you're talking about is freedom. Freedom of mobility uh, is is so great that people can go where they want to, when they want to, and that is your personal vehicle. And producer Steve always brings me back because I'm always uh, – what, what I'm frustrated about is I, I agree with you. Um, we should have all of the above. However – when you get public policy involved and one what you're seeing on one side is all this subsidizing and all of these policies and and things to push people into that particular energy source while using policy over here to shut down another energy source that's what i get so frustrated about dan because it's not an honest conversation when it's at that at that point and producer steve i know he wants to say something no i'm I'm sorry i you know i heard my name a little while ago and i thought (laughs) okay uh but You've said it. That's exactly the the dilemma. And what did we just... Oh, uh, last weekend Super Bowl. Someone put out somewhere in one of the many forums that I'm on how many EV commercials they saw during the Super Bowl. And, okay, that's quite a platform to be advertising on because you've got so many people's attention. But it's almost like electricity comes out of the air and we don't need to worry about what that source is just so we're all driving EVs. What's your thoughts on that, right. Dan, before we go to break? Well, I think this is it's government picking winners and losers, whether they're doing it with our energy choices or, as you mentioned earlier, how we drive on the roads. Picking, They're picking that we should be driving in buses or trains or walking or riding our bikes rather than, than being in cars. And that's, that's where I really have a problem with that. I do as well. We're going to go to break. In studio with me is Darren Weekly. He is a candidate for Douglas County Sheriff. What's that uh, a website? 
weeklyforsheriff.com or on Facebook, Darren Weekly for Sheriff. Okay. And uh, before we go to break, though, another great sponsor of the show is Castlegate Knife and Tool. They are a family-owned business located right here in Sedalia, Colorado. And uh, they, they love law enforcement, our military, and our veterans. They give a di- 10% discount all day, every day at Castlegate Knife and Tool. Whether or not you are a chef or a collector or a sportsman, Castlegate Knife and Tool is the place for you. Great website, castlegate.com. That's castlegate.com. We'll be right back with Darren Weekly and Dan Haley. With the federal government printing money, it looks like inflation is on the horizon. That is why you should lock in a low rate now on your mortgage. Lauren Levy with Polygon Financial Group is here to help. Lauren works with a variety of lenders to assist you in finding the mortgage that is just right for you. Locking in a low rate now will save you thousands of dollars over the life of your loan. Don't procrastinate. Don't wait any longer. Call Lauren today at 303-880-8881. That's 303-880-8881. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim dot com as well. It is George Washington's birthday. So happy birthday, father of our country. And it is also today is our health and hydro, hydrocarbon show. It's brought to you by Laramie Energy and Karis Oil and Gas. And reliable, efficient, abundant, and affordable energy has powered our lives. It's allowed everyday people to pursue their hopes and their dreams. And there has been an assault on that. We're talking about it with Dan Haley. He is the president and CEO of the Colorado Oil and Gas Association. Darren Weekly's in studio with me. He's running for Douglas County Sheriff. Uh, Dan Haley, our, um, our researcher, Patty Kurgan, found this from CNN. And it says climate change. The Biden administration freezes new oil and gas drilling leases after court rules against a key tool. And Biden, the minute he took office, canceled the Keystone XL pipeline. This is beyond belief to me that we have public policy, Democrat policies out there that are trying to shut down our energy sources. uh, Yet he is supporting Putin's uh, pipeline over in Europe. It just doesn't match up with me, Dan. Yeah, this is one of the been the most frustrating things to watch. Just first of all, all during the campaign, uh, the Biden Biden campaign demonized fossil fuels, demonized fossil fuel executives. Uh, so we knew when he was elected that you know some of this might be coming. But it's been frustrating to watch how he's reacted to it when he has enacted these freezes on leases across the country on federal lands. When he's stopping the Keystone XL pipeline, at the same time. He's calling OPEC and asking them to put more oil onto the unbelievable. market. Unbelievable! Uh, it, 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 it's unbelievable. He says, "Well, I'm worried about gas prices." Okay, well, there's there's something we can do about that. We can drill more here in in the United States. It's a supply and demand issue out there. So it's frustrating to see him asking OPEC for this. And here's and here's really why: if we're doing this in the name of climate change, then don't we want to produce? more oil and gas that's done under these environmentally protective manners rather than getting it from OPEC or Russia. 
I would argue that we are developing among the cleanest molecules of energy on the planet in Colorado. Uh, because of some of the regulations we have in the state and because of the technology that our operators are using out in the field, it's changing every single day and it's getting cleaner, better, and safer. The state, uh, through some rulemaking, has required us to roll up these numbers and really look and see what's happening out there. There's air monitoring everywhere. And I need your listeners to know that if the goal is is cleaner energy and bringing emissions down, we are doing that in, in this state. Ambient methane concentrations. Methane was what they talk about as this precursor to climate change and greenhouse gases. Ambient methane concentrations from oil and gas have gone down 50% from 2013 to 2019. And this is while production... You, you, we never hear about that, Dan. Never. Ethane concentrations went down 65% in that same time That same time period. Volatile organic compounds are down 57% from 2011 to 2020. And so, and I've sent these, uh, I've sent these to, to media people when they're talking about it. You never see it get repeated. This is data that the state has. All these emissions are coming down. So again, if this is in the name of climate change, Knowing we need this product, we want it developed here by local workers and not relying on foreign countries. Well, uh, two more things I want to talk to you about, but you just mentioned workers. These are good-paying jobs. And when the Biden administration shut down the Keystone XL pipeline, there were many people that lost their jobs. These were people, these were our, our neighbors, people that, you know, kids, families, these little towns were thriving. And just with a, basically a stroke of a pen, he shut all that down. And these are good paying jobs for people. Immediately, people lost their jobs, union jobs, the jobs that Democrats used to talk about protecting, immediately uh, lost their jobs. Here in Colorado, we lost 9,000 direct oil and gas employees in 2020 and 2021. A lot of that due to COVID, a lot of that due to policies enacted by um, the, the state. And so there's a combination of things there. I don't want to mislead people. COVID obviously hit this in- industry very hard when people stopped using that product. But with the regulations that have been put on in the state, it's much harder to rebound here in Colorado as other people are seeing these rebounds come as prices go up, as energy demand um, goes back up. In Colorado, an oil and gas job is considered a primary job. That's why chambers of commerce really like to see these jobs because they know for every one job created in the oil field or the gas field, three or four are created elsewhere in the economy, either to support that job or because that job exists. So there are all sorts of indirect uh, employees that work in oil and gas and associated jobs that come with the fact when you add an oil and gas job. So it's important that we continue to have these primary employers here. Again, Colorado has a few main driver industries, uh, one of them being oil and gas, one being agriculture, which also finds itself under attack. We're going to talk uh, about that on Thursday. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's, it is really amazing because these are fundamental building block uh, industries, right? These are industries that, that, that paved Colorado and got us to where we are. Home builders, agriculture, construction, cars. These are all things, as you point, point out, freedom. But if you think about it, they're essential to our lives. The freedom to go wherever we want to go in our car, to be able to have a home, a roof over our heads, to be able to heat that home, to be able to put food on our table. These are all things we should value in the state and want to keep in the state and not run out of the state with bad regulations. Uh, right. Like energy and food, those are two good things for everyday people. 
they, they should be things that we all agree upon, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> how we can get more of it and how we can do it better. Right. And to provide it efficiently, as I say, affordable, reliable, efficient, and abundant energy and food is, is and we've taken all of that for granted. And it is so frustrating to me, Dan, to see public policy going after both of those things. Now, the subject we were going to talk about today, it was orphan wells. Uh, And uh, again, I think it's another death by a thousand cuts. Explain, we've got about five minutes left. Explain that to us, Dan. Sure. So let me just start by saying Colorado has one of the lowest numbers of orphan wells in the country. So this is not a huge problem here. But the state is setting out trying to figure out ways to to solve it. Orphan wells are wells that that have been abandoned or the previous operator is either not in business or can't be located or, or is unwilling somehow to meet the obligation to plug and reclaim this well. So in those rare cases, ownership falls to the state. As an industry, we don't want to orphan wells. Some of these are very old. We want to see them plugged and reclaimed. It's a safer option for everybody. Uh, A few years ago, the state was collecting about a half a million dollars from oil and gas to plug and reclaim those wells. They said it wasn't enough. Um, And so we voluntarily agreed to raise our mill levy so they could collect $5 million a year to plug and reclaim these wells. They say it takes, on average, about $80,000 to plug and reclaim well, I don't think they've ever spent that full $5 million in, in one year. Uh, we have somewhere around 600 of these orphan wells on the state rolls right now. It was 200 just a couple of years ago. So now they're in the middle of a financial assurance rulemaking to raise the amount of bonding that operators have for each well oh, and to find more money for the orphan well fund. So the state's thinking is to raise the amount of financial assurance on each of these wells. So if the operator goes bankrupt, there's enough money left behind to, to take care of those wells. But you really need to be careful here. When you're continually adding to the cost of business, and we will be somewhere, when this is over, we'll be somewhere close to the state adding $500 million each year to the cost of doing business in Colorado. Oh, on oil my and gas. gosh. $500 million each year. So when you're doing that, you don't want this to become a self-fulfilling prophecy where small businesses go out of business. They go bankrupt, and you end up with more orphan wells, right? So... Um, the state is looking to get $100 million over the next 10 years for these uh, orphan wells in Colorado, which should more than take care of its problems. But they're also looking to increase the amount of money that we pay into that orphan well fund. And so we fear that that could become just a slush fund mm-hmm. for the state. And it's, again, unnecessary. We want to take care of these wells. We want to make sure that you know they're not out there. Um, but how much is, is too much? And how much do you add to the cost of doing business? All these things are huge concerns with what's happening in, in, in Colorado, Colorado um, right now. Dan, what, it's just beyond belief to me across all these different industries that these policies, you know, big, big business and big government like each other. They like each other a lot. When I look at Xcel Energy and how cozy they are with um, government and putting these policies to push people into the, to what they provide, that's not how it's supposed to be. And and what you're talking about is this is going to make it more and more difficult for our, our independent oil and gas producers, ultimately could push them out of the market, and then you get to just big corporations that that are providing this. And, and we want to keep that independent, um, rugged Colorado spirit um, going, Dan. Small businesses are the backbone of this state, and we really need rules that, that empower and allow those those businesses to continue to operate in Colorado and not unnecessarily hurt them. The state has decided that low-producing wells, those wells that don't produce a lot of oil and gas, 
are the problem. And that's just really not true. For some people, that's their business model. They have a small company. They have a couple of small producing wells. They make enough money to, to get by, to hire a couple of employees. What business is it of the government that that is a low producing well if they're able to make make it make a go of it and keep that well in production and and you know have a business and so that's you know really the concern that we have with, with what's happening right now is the small businesses are, aren't the enemy right and neither are large businesses we we need all businesses of all sizes right. to, to work together through this and so we've just really seen uh, it's to me it's it's less about like you mentioned Excel to me it's less about Excel it's more about what is government doing that that is um, forcing changes in how people do their business right and right. and trying to respond to that because government gets so heavy-handed at times yes we've seen that Dan Haley uh, president CEO of the Colorado Oil and Gas Association thank you so much I've learned so much in these two segments thank you Thank you very much. Appreciate it. And thank you to Laramie Energy and Karis Oil and Gas for their sponsorship of this Health and Hydrocarbon Show. And I think all of us really do appreciate affordable, efficient, abundant, and reliable energy. Darren Weekly, candidate for Douglas County Sheriff, it's been great having you here as well. Thank you so much. It's, it really has been an honor. I appreciate the opportunity. And again, what's your website? Uh, weeklyforsheriff.com. That's W-E-E-K-L-Y-F-O-R, sheriff.com. And Facebook, Darren Weekly for Sheriff. Okay. And it is George Washington's birthday, so I thought it was very appropriate that our quote for today at the end of the, the show be um, George Washington. And this is what he said. Government is not reason. It is not eloquent. It is force. Like fire, it is a dangerous servant and a fearful master. Experience has taught us that it is much easier to prevent an enemy from posting themselves than it is to dislodge them after they have got possession. And when the freedom of speech is taken away, then dumb and silent we may be led like sheep to the slaughter. So my friends today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals. And like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America.